The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 178 of the podcast. We're hanging out with us live here on YouTube. Remember, if you ever want to join a live broadcast, join, uh, subscribe to MMA on the Rocks on YouTube. Turn on your notifications to let you know when we're going live. Uh, we always try to uh, address listener questions while we're on the broadcast here. Today is Sunday, February 23rd. What a weekend of combat sports we are coming off of. I'm almost on a combat sports hangover right now. Uh, or maybe it's just all the whiskey I've been drinking this weekend. Either way, before we get into all of that, let me introduce my co-host. All the way from New Jersey, Jeff. The Animal Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling on a Sunday evening, my friend? I'm good, Bill. Um, a little tired. Because it's been a long weekend, but Bill, these fights and a, a boxing match kept me up, so I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's do it, dude. W- when they were coming out and doing their walk, their their fucking 15 minute walkouts, and it's midnight already. I'm like, c- can they just fight now? <laughs> like uh, <laughs> Wilder, Wilder's coming out looking like a transformer, and then or, or like Master Shredder. <laughs> from the Ninja Turtles and Fury's coming out on a throne and it took so long they had to play that Patsy Cline song like eight times <laughs> just to get him to the ring I was like can we do this already like I got a two year old that's going to wake me up in five hours <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I want to I want to get uh, to Wilder Fury but I, I need to start off uh, with this with this fight night card Jeff because neither one of us were like uh, let's say thrilled about this card last week. Uh, you know, we're, we're excited for the main event and, you know, maybe one or two other fights on there, but uh, hey, this card over delivered in my opinion. Uh, I, I thought it was great from top to bottom, but let's start at the top uh, lightweight contenders, Dan Hooker and Paul Felder putting on uh, in my opinion, fight of the year so far, 2020. And uh, hopefully it remains a contender for such um, I know you and I scored this one a little bit differently, but I think we're both in agreement that this was a really close fight. There was, there was no robbery here with Dan hooker walking away with the split decision, but, uh, give me your reaction to this main event here, Jeff. And, and, uh, how, how are you feeling about it right now? Bill, um, uh, the Felder versus hooker, that fight alone, um, dude, uh, I would have watched this card if it was just that fight. Like that's how good that fight was. Um, they well, you have the other... option to do that. You could just watch that fight. That's what I did with a boxing match. That yeah, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> but a couple of fights on this card that I did enjoy watching uh, prior to that. But dude, uh, they could have just had this fight on the card. And if I'd known it was going to be that good, I, I would have paid money to watch this. Yeah. Um, Dude, Felder and Hooker just annihilated each other, lit each other up like it was Christmas, 
or a July 4th fireworks display is probably a better metaphor here. Dude, um, it was razor thin at the end. Um, I had a, I think we kind of scored it similarly, Bill, the way we were talking yesterday. I had mm. rounds one and four for Hooker and two and three for Felder, and I had it tied going into that th uh, fifth round, and I felt like the takedown and just the control from the top position kind of sealed it for Hooker here. But, man, what a fight, dude. Hooker definitely had a broken jaw. Couldn't even talk in their interview last night. And Felder had his one eye completely closed. He couldn't see anything out of it. I don't know how he finished this fight, man. But, dude, you got to – this might – I know it's early, but this might be fight of the year here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think you might have mixed the rounds up uh, just a little bit, but I, I think I think we're, we're almost on the same page. So round one, uh, Hooker put a lot of pressure. He landed more shots, but Felder had that knockdown. So that's where it was up in the air for me. I think you said you scored one for Felder, right? Oh, actually, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now you're mentioning it. I'm sorry. I meant to say one and four I had for Felder and two and three I had for Hooker. Okay. Yeah. So two and three were, were definitely Dan Hooker. Um, he landed more. Uh, he, he was patient. He was picking his shots. Uh, he was lighting Paul Felder up. Round four was all Paul Felder. Round five was all Paul Felder until Dan Hooker landed a takedown. Um, normally, I'm okay with guys uh, hitting a takedown and not doing anything with it. But uh, in my opinion, Hooker hit that takedown, and he was holding on for dear life. And, and Felder was trying to scramble and get up and throw elbows from the bottom. He was much more active. Um, he got up for a second, and then, and then was back down. Uh, because he was trying to throw too many strikes on his way up. Um, I I leaned towards Felder in that fifth round. So mm. I had one, four, and five for Felder, but I knew it wasn't going to be scored that way. I knew because of the New Zealand uh, you know, home field advantage, I knew round one was going to go to Hooker. Um, and and that, that round was kind of a coin toss, to be honest. And, and the, the fifth probably went to Hooker as well. Um, I'm not mad at the decision, but here, here's the thing. Like there, there's been talk about like the later rounds weighing more, mm -hmm. uh, Felder definitely looked like if this was going to go another five rounds, hooker wasn't making it. Mm -hmm. And Felder was Felder would be game for another five rounds and hooker wouldn't be, um, in my eyes after the third round hooker kind of checked out a little bit. And, uh, he, you know, he showed a little bit of wrestling in there, um, in the fifth round, but, um, it, that, that kind of said to me that he just didn't want to be in there anymore. Uh, so that's why I kind of favored Felder for the decision. But like I said, definitely not a robbery. Um, it was a really close fight, action packed, everything you could want out of a mixed martial arts main event. Um, so the, the folks in New Zealand out there in Auckland definitely got their money's worth uh, for those who were in attendance and for those paying the five bucks a month for ESPN plus, uh, we got our money's worth as well, too. Um, so at the end of the fight, uh, Dan Hooker calls out Justin Gaethje, which is a smart call out in, in terms of moving up the ladder. But uh, I don't know if it's a great matchup for him. Um, because if you're tired of being on the feet and you want to take somebody down, like good luck taking down a Division One All-American wrestler. He had a hard time taking down uh, a Muay Thai style fighter who's standing straight up in front of him. 
Um, so if, if Dan Hooker gets in that same position where he doesn't want the fight on the feet anymore, he's not going to be able to put it on the ground with Justin Gaethje. That'd be my concern. But I like the call out in terms of, um, you know, it'll help him move closer to a title shot. Uh, give me your thoughts on that, and then we'll talk about uh, Felder's post fight. Yeah, so I, I think that the Dan Hooker call out was smart. You know, Justin Gaethje, a very entertaining fighter, and someone who's going to stand in front of him. You know, someone who's going to stand and bang with him. Um, you know, Justin Gaethje is not afraid to get into a firefight. And Dan Hooker, you know, it might be to his advantage, I think. Uh, I think Dan Hooker can stay composed. Uh, he looked very composed last night in front of Paul Felder in one of his first, you know, five-round main events here. Uh, and... Like you said, in front of a hometown crowd, I think Hooker, you know, did a good job. And I, I think this is one of those fights that you kind of need to go back and watch, Bill, because I could have seen it going either way. Mm -hmm. um, I felt that the slight edge went to Hooker, but I could see, you know, Paul Felder winning that fight as well. That's how close it was. Yeah. You know, and every and the rounds that and we talked about this yesterday, the rounds that Felder won and the rounds that Hooker won, they were super close, man. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, it wasn't a very, you know, we're talking about fine, very fine margins here. So, yeah. You know, Hooker, I think it's going to take a while for that jaw to heal up because, you know, you could hear it that he couldn't move his jaw to speak. Um, yeah. But I think the Justin Gaethje call out is great. I think it skyrockets him in this uh, welterweight division. I mean, I'm sorry, lightweight division if he gets that win. So good for him. Yeah, man. Um, the winning rounds, two, uh, two and three were pretty clear cut for Hooker and four was a blowout. It was all Felder. Um, but one in five were open to interpretation. Uh, I, I see we got a few of you on the on the live feed here. Feel free to drop a comment or a question, and uh, we'll we'll engage with you guys on here. Um, I, I want to talk about Paul Felder's post fight because he, he took off the gloves. He was very emotional. Said, "I got a four year old daughter at home. She misses me every time I go away for these training camps. Uh, this might be it for me." Um, it, obviously. You know, the, the selfish side of me says, like, I, I don't want Paul Felder to ever stop fighting. I would watch this guy fight every single weekend. Uh, but the part of me that knows better uh, knows that this is a guy who has been through some wars. He's taken a lot of damage. He's a father. He's a great father. And he has other opportunities. I mean, he's a trained actor. He's got the broadcasting gig with the UFC. Uh, I'm sure he has the potential to do many other things if he wanted to start a podcast or if he wanted to do, uh, you know, anything, you know, work for ESPN and, and talk about golf. I'm, I'm sure he could go and do that too. Uh, so if he doesn't have to keep getting in there and doing this for our entertainment, then he definitely shouldn't. Uh, at the same time, you know, that's a very emotional moment. He just lost a very close fight to a top contender. Um, and in his mind, I'm sure the the mindset is if he doesn't have a clear path to a title shot, then there's no point in doing this anymore. I think he wants to get to that title fight, fight for a title, win a title. And if he can't see himself doing that, he's going to bow out. And um, I respect that from Felder. Uh, I thought it was a, a, a very emotional thing, when, especially when he mentioned – you know, spending time away from his daughter, you know, she's four years old. So she's just kind of hitting that point where she's realizing like, Hey, my dad's not around all the time. And I don't really understand why. 
and, and that's a tough thing that that really got to me when I heard that. Um, uh, you know, as a as a father of a, a, a two year old little girl who, who's starting to be aware of things, um, I, I definitely kind of related to that. But uh, give me your thoughts, Jeff. You want to see uh, you want to see Felder Felder back in there? Or you want to see him kind of uh, see how he can sustain himself in in other ways? Yeah, I'm kind of torn, man, because I love Paul Felder. He's an entertaining fighter to watch. You know, he's really, I thought that changing camps for him was a really, you know, it was a bold move and a smart move at that. Um, but it's tough, man, because, uh, you know, as a teacher, um, you know, I see what it's like when, uh, you know, and, and you see that it breaks kids' hearts, you know, when their parents aren't there for them. Um, I had this one student who um, was, you know, uh, they, they were doing this ring ceremony for a group of students who's moving up. Uh, so they'll be in high school next year. And they were all reading Bible verses uh, as part of like their ceremony and stuff. And, uh, you know, this one student, you know, she saw their parents weren't there and she just broke down crying. Uh, so, you know, she's a little bit older. She's about, you know, she's a teenager. So she she definitely understands. But, yeah, Bill, you know, it breaks my heart seeing stuff like that. So, you, you know, I'm not a parent, but I, I totally see where Felder's coming from. You know, you can't blame him for wanting to be there for, for his daughter's life, um, especially because, you know, these, these are some of the earliest things that she's going to remember when she's older, you know, yeah. is uh, – you know, sitting on her dad's shoulders, walking around the house and stuff like that. Um, So you cannot blame Felder at all. And like you said, he's got other opportunities, but man, I love watching him fight bill. Yeah. So, uh, so it's tough. uh, It's tough, but I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be mad at Paul Felder for, for doing uh, what he's doing, you know, for his family. Um, And I think for his body too, he's 35, man. And like you said, he's been through some wars, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're the same age and, uh, I, I haven't been through some wars. Uh, I I've been training mixed martial arts for a long time and I know how my body feels. So I can imagine if I had put myself what I've seen Paul Felder go through on TV, uh, how I would be feeling at 35 years old. Um, cause, cause I gotta tell you, Jeff, it's not that great. Uh, <laughs> now knowing, uh, what I've done to myself, and uh, I, I've seen what Paul Felder's been through, and I, I can only imagine uh, how much more pain I would be in every morning uh, if I were him. So, uh, yeah, big respect for both of these guys. Uh, outstanding fight. Uh, I, I didn't check who got the bonuses, but I imagine they got fight of the night. Um, I, I, I there were other, other great fights on this card, but that was that was a 25 minute war i mean you got to give those guys throw those guys a little extra something uh co-main event was a grappling clinic put on by jimmy crute against uh mikhail olajancic uh finishing it with a kimura in the second round um it was uh it was it was an interesting an interesting sequence because he he kind of uh manhandled the Olajancic and and put him on his back had him mounted jumped off a mount to go to side control and then like bounced around and went to the other side um and he was just fishing for things eventually grabbed that Kimura shoulder lock and um you know went went to rip that arm 
and take it, rip that arm off and take it home. Uh, and he had it really deep, man. I, I've got flexible shoulders and, and people always say, uh, you know, when they put me in Kimuras, they're surprised how flexible I am and they, they can, they can bend my arm really far back. Um, but even I was cringing a little bit when I saw, um, how extended Ola Janchek's shoulder was, was getting from this Kimura. Um, but give me your thoughts on this co-main event here, Jeff. Yeah, Bill, you could see the pain on McCall's face here um, as as he was as Jimmy Crute was cranking that that Kimura. Um, Bill, I was so impressed with Jimmy Crute, man. Um, you know, he's he's more of a stand up guy, but dude, the way he was just sticking to to McCall here, like like a backpack, basically. Every time McCall went to get back up, he found himself looking at the lights again because Jimmy Crew was changing chaining together all these takedowns, going for trips and sweeps, and he would just not let up. Um, you know, prove just to just to be too much for McCall. I love the transitions from mount to side control. Um, you know, when the arm triangle wasn't working, he said, "All right." Mm -hmm. Just uh, transitions back to side control, steps over, and just gets that Kimura. Super nice, super smooth. Uh, I think McCall is just too exhausted to fight off anymore. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I heard the commentary. John Gooden was saying, who who's supposedly a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, he, he was saying right before the submission came, I don't understand why he's giving up mount to go to side control. And I was thinking, like, really? Like, uh, I would do that all the time, especially in MMA, because you're much less likely to get swept from yeah. side control than you are from mount. Uh, there are so many ways to get swept uh, from mount, and there are pretty much no ways to get swept from side control. And, and the possibilities for submission in MMA are, are limitless there. But I guess that's just coming from a guy who has a Brazilian jiu-jitsu mindset and is thinking about Brazilian jiu-jitsu rules where the mount is worth points and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, you don't got to worry about that point system in MMA. You want to worry about finishing and, um, staying on top because that's the most important thing. But yeah, I love the, I love the strategy from Jimmy Crute and, and the finish. And, you know, he was coming off that submission loss to Misha Serkinov and, and called him out in, in his post fight. He wants that one back. Um, he got caught in that, Peruvian necktie from Serkinov and his fight back in September, I believe. Uh, so he's looking for that one back. I, I'm not mad at that call out. Um, thought it was a great performance and, uh, you know, I don't think Serkinov has a whole lot going on. So maybe we'll see that one again. Um, man, Zionan Yen, Carolina Kovokovic. This was a, absolute mauling um there, there's been the picture floating around of yan kicking kovokovich in the mouth and it is grotesque jeff it it is uh it, it, it's one of the most brutal like still shots because it it looks like in the picture and and i'll share this on my instagram story or something later so you guys can see it if you haven't um so her whole foot is in her mouth, like pushing her lips into her tonsils. And then it looks like her eyeballs are gone. It looks like something out of a horror movie, Jeff. Have you seen this picture? And, and even if you haven't, uh, give me your thoughts on this beat down. 
from Xenon Yan last night. So I haven't seen the picture, Bill. Have not. But um, you know, that whole fight looked like a horror movie, dude. Uh, it was just Karolina Kovakovic getting mauled here. Um, it looked like she was scared to pull the trigger. It looked like um she couldn't see out of her right eye for a bit, which I was actually disappointed that they let her keep fighting because it you know she visibly kept putting her hand up to that eye, um, just to protect it with no regard for mounting any offense at some points in this fight. And um, you know, take nothing away from uh Zhao and Yan here because she went in there and delivered a good performance. Um you know, I, I don't know what to tell you about Karolina Kovokovic here. Um, she's been on a skid, and I think that her mentality is just not there. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think she's a little scared to get into the octagon. And, you know, um, Zhao and Yan, uh, as an upcoming uh, Chinese fighter here, um, you know, wanting to make a name for herself and her country here. Um, after seeing what, um, what, uh, I forgot what the champ's name is at 125, Bill. Um, Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of 115. Um, she just beat, uh, Jessica Andrade for the title. Um, uh, yeah, I, she she's fighting <laughs> she's fighting Joanna for the belt. I yeah. I'm having a total brain fart right now. But the point is, you know, you see someone from your country become champ in you know in the division right below you, and that lights a fire under your ass. And that's what we saw from Zhao and Yan here. Um, you know, just absolutely no remorse, uh, doing the right things, um, and. You know, Karolina Kovokovic, I think it was round two. She was or around three. Uh, you know, she was going for heel hooks and stuff, but Bill, she didn't have it. Yeah. You know, the the ankle was too far up her side where she couldn't get the heel into the crook of her elbow. And Bill, it just, it, whatever she was doing, just it, nothing was going her way last night. Yeah. Wiley Zhang was the name both of us were blanking on there. The yes. She's the, the current. Current champ who knocked out Jessica Andrade in a fashion that I have never seen before. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of Andrade, I think she's the reason we're seeing this current version of Karolina uh, Kovokovic because um, after Karolina's fight with Andrade, she just hasn't been the same. She's been super tentative in there. Um, it, you know, I think Yen had a speed advantage last night, but it shouldn't have been as great as it was. Um, I think that something clicked off mentally with Kovokovic after that fight with Andrade. She just hasn't been the same. Um, and understandably so, because Andrade is a fucking destroyer, especially at 115 pounds. I mean, you're talking about a girl who used to fight at 135 pounds uh, coming down there and just demolishing girls who a lot of girls in this 115 pound division should really be fighting at Adam weight which is 105 pounds, but that division doesn't exist in the UFC. So, um, you know, a lot of kinks to work out here. Uh, Hopefully for Kovokovic, she works with a sports psychologist or something, gets her mindset back because she's a high-level fighter. I'm a big fan of Carolina. Um, So I I hope to see her turn around and and, uh, have some better performances or, you know, m- move on to greener pastures and uh, do, do something else. Uh, all right. Marcos Rosario de Lima and the combat wombat Ben Sassoli. 
this one from the jump didn't seem like it was going to last long. Uh, and it didn't. It was a TKO for Delima in the first round. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Bill, I don't care what happened in this fight. Um, it was exciting. It was awesome. It was 100 miles per hour. You knew somebody was going to sleep soon. And Ben Sassoli is my hero, Bill, because he walked out to the ultimate 90s Euro techno pop group, the Venga Boys. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't help him because Delima went boom, boom, boom and made this only, made Sosoli think he woke up in his room. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> Bill, he got hit by the Venga bus, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, oh, man. Not, a, not a lot of technique in this fight. Um, it yeah i mean it was what it was it was it was a couple of heavyweights just slinging leather at each other until one of them dropped and it happened to be uh the, the combat wombat ben sasoli uh so so there you go uh that was that i don't have like a big technical breakdown on this one because you know there wasn't uh there wasn't a whole lot of technique uh you got anything else on this one jeff any other no. uh no, the highlight the highlight of that fight was uh was the Venga Boys. That was the highlight. All right. So moving on, Brad Rydell getting a split decision over Magomed Musafayev. Uh you know, good fight. Uh back and forth a little bit. Um uh, I don't really see why the one judge gave it to Mustafaev, but uh, you know, it happens. But Rydell got the victory. Uh, anything on this one, Jeff? No, unfortunately, I didn't uh, start watching this until uh, Delima versus Sassoli because I thought the main card started at eight, and then at eight o'clock, Sassoli was walking out. So, oh, geez, Jeff, off. you would think you were part of the MMA media or something. You're gonna be, aren't you up on this stuff? Hey, I didn't think they were gonna start early to make room for Fury versus Wilder two. You think that's why they did it, or because they were in New Zealand? It could it could be either way, Bill. I can neither. <laughs> yes, I'm going to say yes. I can neither yes. deny nor confirm. That's it, Jeff. I'm taking away your media credentials. <laughs> now you're just. <laughs> now I'm just some dude watching guys walk out to the Venga Boys and put each other to sleep. I mean, that's pretty much all we are, anyway. Um, <laughs> I still haven't. I still haven't figured out exactly why people continue to listen to this show, but um, they do, and uh, so so we keep doing it every week. And I think I think even if nobody were listening, we would we would just be doing this anyway, um, which is which is pretty much how the show started. Um, let I'm just gonna breeze over the rest of this card. There were some really good fights on the prelims, but. Um, since now I know you didn't watch them, uh, I'll just give you the results and, and you tell me if, uh, if anything kind of jumps out to you. All right. So Jalen Turner, uh, looked, uh, really good, uh, against Justin Kulabau. uh, just a, a dominant performance by Turner, kind of an unfortunate ending though, in the second round where Kulabau kind of twisted his ankle. He got his foot stuck in the cage and, uh, you know, the referee didn't step in. So Turner, you know, put him on his back and, and, uh, you, you know, roughed him up for a little bit and wound up getting the TKO at 301 in the second round. 
Uh, Jake Matthews and Emil Meek, this was not the all-out war that we were anticipating last week. Uh, it was a good technical fight. Uh, I mean, I think Emil Meek even came back and, and stole that third round, but it was basically Jake Matthews putting Emil Meek on his back where he knew that um, he was going to be at a disadvantage and uh, holding him there for the first two rounds. And, and in that third round, Meek was still able to scramble. And, uh, you know, credit to Emil Meek because usually guys like that who are really explosive and really powerful, uh, after you weigh on them for two rounds, uh, that power and explosion goes away. But it didn't for Emil Meek. He was still fully charged up. Um, I, I think they just need better matchmaking for Emil Meek and they need to stop putting them in there with, with guys who are really good grapplers uh, like a Jake Matthews. And, and there were a couple of moments in the fight where Jake started to engage in some brawls with him. Um, but it, it, it didn't last long. And his, and his coaches kind of talked him off the ledge with that one uh, with that strategy. Um, so Jake, needless to say, Jake Matthews getting the decision there. And then, um, Kenan Song with a first round knockout over Callum Potter. Uh, that that was a really impressive one. Kai Kara France in a, in a really close fight against Tyson Nam, uh, getting unanimous decision. Angela Hill with like her fifteenth fight of two thousand twenty, I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, get, getting the victory over. Uh, they, see, they have a different name on here, but Loma Lukbunmi uh, is, is oh, the name that oh. she goes by. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, um, Bill. So, um, she this okay. They, so this fighter is from Thailand, um, and she actually, um, well, I don't know the exact like terminology, but they they have like a name that they're born with, and then a name that people like call them um it's i don't understand how it works but yeah that that's why you'll see like two different names for her yeah in the thai culture you're you're kind of given a fight name and uh look boon me was was given to her um because i, I don't want to mess up the exact translation but part of that name is her father's name mm. um and, and the word roughly translates to dolphin um, so I think it, it means daughter of Boon me. Mm. Um, so, and Boon me means dolphin, something, something like that. So her father was called a dolphin because he, he fought like a dolphin or something on his line. I'm totally butchering this story right now, but I'm trying to, trying to give you guys a little bit of background. In any case, Angela Hill walking away with the unanimous decision and, uh, she looked good in this fight. Uh, you know, they both have Muay Thai backgrounds. I think it was too early for Luke Boonmi to get in there with an experienced fighter like Angela Hill. Um, you know, if they want to give this girl a chance, she, she's got to, uh, you know, she's got to get a few more miles under her wings in MMA because she's got tons of Muay Thai experience, but Muay Thai is very different uh, from MMA, like very different. Um, there are so many things that work really well in Muay Thai that will never work in MMA. Um, it, and, uh, you know, the other thing with Thai fighters is, I don't, I don't know if you're aware of this, Jeff, but in Muay Thai, you typically take the first round off. 
Mm. And that's like a feeling out round with your opponent. There's like an unspoken agreement to kind of go light in the first round. And in Thailand, it's actually like an insult to even throw an elbow in the first round of a Thai boxing match. And the reason is because, uh, you know, you're fighting like every weekend or so, you know, by the time you're 15, you have like a hundred Muay Thai fights in Thailand. Uh, so you take that first round off. It's like a feeling out process and it's like disrespectful. If you throw an elbow uh, within that first round. Um, so, you know, adapting to MMA where you kind of have to, uh, you know, you can't take a round off in MMA because your opponent's not taking a round off. Uh, you know, you got people coming from wrestling, uh, you know, American wrestling, uh, where it's the complete opposite, where you're doing a, a total sprint for the entire match, uh, start to finish. Uh, so you, you can't go taking rounds off and things like that. But I just think she needed to be eased in a little bit more instead of being thrown in there with, um, with an experienced MMA fighter like Angela Hill. But, you know, it, it's like Angela said, you know, uh, Mick Maynard calls her and she says, yes, which you, you got to respect her for that. Um, she actually had a really good interview on the, the Joe Rogan experience this past week. Um, where she talked about her history and like how she took her first MMA fight um, just uh, on a whim, basically. Um, and, and took her first Thai fight, like after training Muay Thai for uh, like six months or something like that. I got to go back and listen to the interview again, because I'm, I'm uh, butchering the facts here. And then uh, Priscilla Cachuera breaking the record for the fastest knockout in women's flyweight history with a 42nd KO over Shana Dobson. Uh, vicious, vicious knockout by Cachuera. So if you missed that one, definitely go back and check that one out. Uh, check out the uh, Kanan song KO over Callan Potter. And, um, you know, the other fights were very good, very competitive. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you can watch this card start to finish. A any thoughts on, on any of this, Jeff, before we move on to other things? Um, yeah, I was really interested in checking out uh, some of these uh, prelim cards. The Kai Car France fight looked good, and uh, like you said, man, Angela Hill, you know, putting in work. I feel like just two or three weeks ago we were talking about her, and here she is in the win column again. So she's doing something right, Bill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Angela Hill fights like every other weekend, so credit to her for that. Uh, anything else on this? Uh... Fight night 168, or you you want to move on? Let, let's talk a little boxing. Yeah, yeah, Bill. I was, um, you know, I tuned in last night uh, right in the middle of the first round of Wilder versus Fury 2, so I did not see their very awesome entrances. Um, but, dude, I, I was just impressed. You know, I was talking to a friend about this uh, before the fight, and I felt like um, Fury – probably could not win this one i felt like wilder was going to come in a little bit more focused uh, a little bit uh more willing to let his power go but i felt you know watching the fight itself it felt like it was the opposite you know i, I saw wilder a little bit tentative whereas fury was happy to let his hands go uh and dropped him a few times you know i, I felt like you know I felt like Wilder hit the canvas at least once in rounds four, five, and six. And then in the seventh, it looked like his corner had just had it. You know, they'd seen yeah. enough. So uh, great performance from Tyson Fury, dude. He just, you know, went in there uh, with reckless abandon. Uh, you know, his head movement was really good, though. Um, 
and you know was just not afraid of Wilder here. And I thought I was really impressed by that. Yeah, well, you know, he had a great game plan, and aside from the fact that he just beat the fuck out of him for six and a half rounds, um, th- this was a totally one-sided fight. Like he won every single round. He barely got touched by Wilder. Um, and, and he just had a smart game plan. Uh, you know, we've seen Wilder knock out pretty much everybody he's fought. We've never seen too many people go the distance with him. And then we've never seen anybody go the distance with him and then get in there with him again, uh, which is kind of why I favored Fury in this fight um, because Fury is just such a smart boxer. Um, you know, he, he just has such a high fight IQ in there and he came in there and he, he had the exact right game plan. He smothered Deontay Wilder, which is what you have to do with people who throw big haymakers like Wilder does. You have to smother them so they can't uh, wind up and throw them. Um, you know, this is something that, that people figure out in MMA all the time. Uh, you know, people who throw like big power shots, if you crowd them and you don't give them the space to throw those shots, um, then, then they can't throw them and they can't hurt you with them. And then, you know, there's no plan B from there. And we already knew who the better boxer was from the first fight. Uh, Tyson Fury won the first fight 10 rounds to two. Uh, according to anybody who watched that fight, apparently, except for the three people judging it, uh, which, <laughs> which is part of the reason that I can't fucking stand boxing, Jeff. Uh, yeah. the, the judging, I mean, we think the, the judging is bad in MMA. The judging in boxing is fucking horrendous horrendous that fight was a draw between fury and wilder the first time that was a one-sided boxing clinic by tyson fury but he got knocked down uh and 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 you know he almost died (laughs) there there was that Mm -hmm. i mean mean, if you want to weigh that knockdown more and say like that knockdown that wilder hit tyson fury with was worth more than all the other rounds i'm fine with that but you got to change the rules before the fight happens. <laughs> you know, according to the rule set, Tyson Fury clearly won the first fight, and he was clearly the better boxer. But Deontay Wilder was clearly the one with the scarier power, which is why this rematch was so interesting. Uh, you know, and the marketing for this fight was all the knockdown from Wilder. They didn't show uh, Tyson Fury outboxing him for the entire first fight. Um, but... Yeah, man, we saw an aggressive Tyson Fury who just put it on Deontay Wilder, busted his eardrum. There was like ear juice and blood oh, yeah. Yeah. all over the place. And then at one point in the sixth round, I think it was the sixth round where uh, Fury clinched with him and then licked the blood off of Wilder's neck. That was some sick shit, man. And I was into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like... Man, this is gonna go viral, and I kind of love it. I'm glad I stayed up to watch this. Uh, but at the same time, I was like, "This is pretty fucking disgusting." Um, he went like full Gene Simmons uh, on the neck of Deontay Wilder, and and like, I, I thought he was gonna lick the blood like out of his ear, like he was going in on that on that lick. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, if your eardrum pops, that throws off your equilibrium. It's like it, you might as well get in there and and be drunk, like like falling off your ass, intoxicated. 
you can't see straight. You can't stand up straight. Uh, your legs don't feel like you're under you. Um, my, my Muay Thai coach who is out of his mind used to make us do this drill where you put one hand over your head and you spin around as fast as you can 20 times. And then he holds up this tiny little pad and you have to try and wheel kick it. And um, you look like a fucking idiot doing it because if your equilibrium is gone um, and, and the reason he does that is because that simulates like getting rocked in a fight. And he would say, mm. I'm only making you spin around 20 times. If you get rocked really bad in a fight to really simulate that, you'd have to spin 50 times and then try and kick this little tiny pad. So with a busted eardrum, I, I can't imagine how dizzy Wilder was feeling in there. Uh, credit to his corner for, for throwing the towel in. In, in such a high-profile fight, uh, he had his WBC title on the line, which, uh, to tell you the truth, I don't even know what what that means. Uh, there's so many titles in boxing. I, I lose track of them all. I, I know that there, there's like the, there's the whole alphabet uh, you you can you can make three letter combinations of the entire alphabet, and there's probably a boxing title for that combination. You know the FXZ championship, but uh, WBC I believe is what it was. But such a high profile fight, uh, there there was so much money on the line, so much to be gained, so much to be lost, um, so much respect for Deontay Wilder's corner for throwing the towel in. They didn't want to see their fighter take any more damage they know their fighter they know he was done they know he couldn't take any more um it was just going to be more punishment uh after that uh you know fury just had his number last night for whatever the reason i mean supposedly wilder came into the fight compromised in some way um but i heard a lot of rumors that that fury did as well i mean at this level guys are always coming in and injured but um yeah big credit to the corner man because they, they did the right thing for their fighter, and I'm sure Wilder's going to be pissed about it. Um, and, and he was pissed about it at first because he's a fucking warrior. I mean, that guy is an animal. Um, and he's terrifying in there, and he'll still be a big draw even after this because he has that that what-the-fuck power that he can just put dudes down. Um, but, yeah, threw a lot at you there, Jeff. So uh, let's let's have a response, I guess. Yeah, um, you know, uh, and Bill, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there was a popped eardrum there because there were a couple of times where some of the knockdowns, it kind of looked like Wilder was slipping, you know, like maybe he had taken a misstep and, and kind of keeled over. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case here. Um, but either way, you know, um, all all injuries and, and injury talk aside, you know, um, Fury went in there and did what he was getting paid to do, man. Uh, he looked good. Um, and I, I think he just had Wilder's number here. Like you said, Wilder was getting outboxed. Um, and, you know, I, I liked how Fury, you know, was not scared to get in his face and and really control the 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 ring here. Um, I I felt like he went in with the right game plan, and you know injuries aside, you can't really blame him. So, uh, Bill, do you think that there will be a part three to this? 
Uh, I do. I think uh, I think it's pretty easy to market as well because all you do is is put out there that um, you know Wilder had a bad injury going into the like say he had like a torn ACL he didn't tell anybody about. Now I that's not true at all. I'm just pulling something out of thin air. But you put that out there in the media, you know he wasn't himself. Um, and the other factor that plays into this is there's nobody else for Fury to fight. Um, a fight with Anthony Joshua doesn't do anything for anybody because Anthony Joshua uh, got knocked out by Andy Ruiz while he was avoiding Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Uh, so he lost all credibility there. I don't want to see that fight. I don't want to see Tyson Fury beat the fuck out of Anthony Joshua uh, because um, I, I know how it's going to go and it's just not appealing to me. You know, Joshua fucked up his own legacy um, by, by picking fights the way he did, uh, you know, it backfired on him one time and yeah, he came back and beat Ruiz, but that to me, that doesn't mean he deserves a shot at fury and there's just nobody else in the picture. Uh, so I think, I, I think a part three, you know, wilder fury three, hashtag is already out there on social media uh so people are already clamoring for it I, I think it's the only fight to make the the one thing i hope is that tyson fury doesn't kind of implode the way he did after he beat klitschko uh where he felt like he had nothing else to achieve after he beat klitschko and he ballooned up to like 450 pounds and he was drunk all the time and he you know, he almost committed suicide and, you know, you know, we've all kind of heard this story and he turned his life around and he lost all the weight and he got back to training and then came back to become world champion again. Um, I, I hope for his sake that, uh, he, he doesn't fall into that same kind of pattern again. And that, you know, the wilder rematch just kind of make him want to, you know, uh, get up and go back to work again. We got a, a comment from Leonardo Lyon. In here, he said Fury outclassed Wilder on the night. Um, Leonardo, I don't know if you're trying to say that he only outclassed him on that night and, and that, you know, it could possibly be a different outcome, or if you're saying that he just outclassed him and, and that's it. That's, that's the way it's always going to go. Um, so if you want to clarify that, go ahead. But either way. And you got your comment on the show and I'll, I'll display it here. Um, so, um, thanks for that comment. And, uh, the only other thing I want to throw out there is that there was a big dialogue about the gain in weight by Deontay Wilder, because Wilder is a guy who is a very small heavyweight. I, I think the first fight he weighed in at like two nineteen, and this fight he weighed in at two thirty something. Um, but what was more noticeable to me, like Wilder looked the same to me. Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit, a little bit more muscular, but um, w w what stuck out to me was the weight gain by Tyson Fury. I mean, this guy walked in, he looked like the bad guy, not the bad guy, like the main character from Despicable Me. Um, oh, group. Yeah, group, where he has like the big round body and like the little tiny chicken legs and the little <laughs> <tiny> arm. Um, <laughs> but like, because you see his face, his face and his neck are like so lean. And then you see him, um, you know, once he took off his, his King robe and everything and like his midsection is humongous. Like he's a very like disproportioned man. 
Uh, he's not like what you think of, like when you think of like the past uh, heavyweight boxing champions, like a Vander Holyfield, like that guy looked like he was fucking chiseled out of marble. <laughs> and then you look at Tyson Fury and he looks like, you know, a fifth grader carved him out of cheese. <laughs> but you know heavyweight champ of the world so um i just wanted to point out that weight discrepancy um let's jump into real quick i don't want to spend too much time about this because i'm honestly not that excited for this car jeff but ufc fight night 169 norfolk virginia headlined by um i guess a flyweight title match i and i didn't even know about this until last night jeff and and i'm so i i'm so involved in the mma community like i i didn't know that they were fighting for the flyweight title but joseph benavidez and davison figueredo uh, in a rematch uh, in the main event of this uh, norfolk card fighting for what is going to be the vacated flyweight championship now that the harry suhudo won't be stripped until um until the fight commences, but um, you, so you know, until then, Bill, he remains triple C. That's true. I mean, I guess he's always going to be triple C because, like, he at one point he was. So I guess you are forever. But uh, yeah, Joseph Benavides and Davison Figueredo for um, the flyweight championship. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Uh, Bill. Um... I don't know too much about Davison Figueredo. I mean, the videos that they show of his highlights, they look nice. But Joseph Benavidez is married to Megan Olivi. And that alone means that he should win this fight because she is absolutely breathtaking. But um, I'm not really seeing the correlation, Jeff, but uh, I'll be <laughs> you know, it's the only time that I was going to get to talk about Megan Olivi because. <laughs> The flyweight division is not interesting. She's probably the most interesting thing about the flyweight division right now. <laughs> Talking about how she's married to the guy who's fighting for the championship of yes. that division. Yes. All right. But, Fair um, enough. You know, you know, um, you know, uh, personal personal feelings aside, Joseph Benavidez, man, he's been at the top of the flyweight division since its inception, um, you know, eight years ago over six years ago, whatever it was. But, uh, you know, Joseph Benavidez, he's always been at the top, dude. I actually wanted to see him fight Henry Cejudo again uh, for the belt. But, you know, it's not going to happen. Uh, I don't th I don't see Henry Cejudo uh, going back down to flyweight ever. And, you know, we've talked about this at length. But Joseph Benavidez, I think he's the Uriah Faber of the flyweight division. You know, always, always there, always at the top. Um, and unfortunately, you know, becoming a bit of a gatekeeper just because he couldn't beat the champ at the time, you know, uh, couldn't beat Henry Cejudo when, when they fought, um, oh, I might be mistaken. He might've won that fight, but, um, you know, couldn't beat Demetrius Johnson, uh, with a few tries. So I think this is the chance that, that Uriah Faber, uh, you know, couldn't get I, for Joseph Benavidez here. I think he can become the flyweight champion and, you know, well-deserved. I think Joseph Benavidez is a great fighter. Um, he's one of the more exciting fighters in the flyweight division. You know, he's in your face. He can grapple. He can, uh, box really well. So, you know, um, a good chance for team alpha male, 
to to get another belt in into their gym here so good for, mm -hmm. good for him um but bill I, i'm a little bit more excited for this card you know we got felicia spencer in here against zaria firing dos santos you have ian kutalaba versus magomed and uh and Khalif. i think that's going to be a really good fight i think it's going to be a barn burner megan anderson is fighting uh somebody um <laughs> you're really I, selling it jeff Bill, uh, you know, uh, I unfortunately I don't know too much about her opponent, and I think that's kind of the idea here with you know Megan Anderson's grappling being a little bit exposed, and uh, the one win that she got over, I believe it was uh, Kat Zingano, where you know there was like a, a toe to the eye, and, and there was a bad eye injury. So you know, I think Megan Anderson, I think she needs to be thrown a bone here, Bill. So I'm okay with this. Yeah, I mean, she's being thrown a girl with. Four professional fights. Uh, I, I mean, she's undefeated in those four fights, but um, I'll tell you, Jeff, the, the fight I'm most excited about on this card is Iwan Kutilaba and Magomed Ankalaev. Um, this is going to be like two bulls button heads. And, and sometimes I predict these things and it, it turns out to be a dud fight, but um, I, I think this is going to be a really fun one. Especially because Kutilaba, um, he, you know, he came off of that submission loss to uh, Glover Teixeira, and then he came out and knocked out Khalil Roundtree with those nasty out, uh, elbows. And I just feel like he's a, he's been a man on fire lately. And Ankalaev at twelve and one, um, he he's a fucking monster in this uh, in this light heavyweight division. Uh, so I think that's a really fun fight. And I'll give you another one here. So Luis Pena was supposed to fight Pedro Munoz, but it looks like Munoz may have pulled out, but Pena is going to stay on the card. I, I don't know what's going on there. I don't have any news to break for you guys. I don't have any more information than that. All I know is that uh, according to SureDog, Luis Pena is still on the card and he is fighting unknown fighter. So if they can get somebody to, uh, come to Norfolk and uh, fight Bob, violent Bob Ross. And then, then we're going to get to see him fight on there. But uh, the other, the other uh, fight that I'm looking forward to on here, March Martin Tabura and Sergey Spivak. Uh, I think this is going to be a really fun, uh, a really fun card. Uh, Tabura is a, a super tough heavyweight out of Poland. Um, and, and, you know, he's had like mostly losses in the UFC, but, if you look, if you look at the people he's fought, um, he, you know Augusto Sakai, Shamil Abdurahimov. They had a win over Stefan Struve, a loss to Derek Lewis, a loss to Fabrizio Verdum, which I believe he took on short notice, and he went five rounds with Verdum. Uh, then a win over Andre Arlovsky, uh, a win over Luis Enrique Barbosa de Oliveira, um, and, and then you know kind of flip flop back and forth, but. Um, uh, exciting heavyweight fighter, in my opinion. Uh, whenever I see Tabura on the card, uh, I know it's going to be a solid performance. But uh, not a whole lot else on this card uh, of sticking out to me here, Jeff. Uh, unless you can change my mind in the next minute or so. Nah. I'm going to think of it. I guess I'm not as excited for this card. All right. As I was. Well, we're going to watch it. Um, 
I'm gonna be away next weekend, uh, so I don't I don't know what we're gonna do for a show, but I'm, I'm gonna be over in uh, Orlando, going to a Disney World for a couple of days. Maybe we could sneak a show in, or maybe this card will just be garbage, and we can get away with just doing a social media post instead of a full blown episode next week. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen, and that's the that's the beauty of MMA on the rocks. You never know what you're gonna get, folks. I'll give you a uh, a quick cocktail recipe here, though that I kind of just made up uh, on the spot tonight. Uh, I went out like and got just some, now. Uh, well, earlier in the evening, oh. uh, like before dinner, uh, I was fooling around with some cocktail recipes because I was at, uh, I was at total wine and I was looking at like some of these pre-made cocktails that they have like uh, a mixers. And it's like, just add tequila, just add bourbon, just add vodka, you know, whatever. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to try one of these. And that, they're like so full of sugar and stuff. And I was like, nah, it's not really my thing. Um, I don't like taking in the, the sugary calories. I'd rather take in more alcohol calories, you know. Um, but in any case, I, I was playing around with different things. And I came up with this recipe. And it was bourbon. I used Old Forester 86 Proof Bourbon, which is, as you guys know, if you're a longtime listener of the show, is one of my go-tos right now. I usually have a handle of it. Uh, in my bar, uh, fresh squeezed lemon juice, a uh, little bit of simple syrup. So a little bit of sugar, but I, I like the fact that I can control the amount of sugar in there. And then I use some ginger bitters and, and I'll share with you guys a, a picture of the ginger bitters that I use. So it, it gives it kind of a little bit of spice. And then I threw a little bit of cayenne pepper in the, in the shaker with it as well. And shake, uh, I shook that up and it, it was a little bit, uh, sour at first. So I added a little bit more simple syrup to kind of uh, balance it out but um it wound up being a, a really kick-ass cocktail at the end of it i did about three parts bourbon to uh one part lemon juice uh one part simple syrup and then um you, you know a couple of shakes of the ginger bitters and and just one hit of the cayenne pepper just to uh you know give it a, a little bit of a kick um and uh it was a really good pre-dinner drink to, with a little uh chips and salsa with the wife before, before dinner. Uh, speaking of, I, I got another story. I got to tell you here, Jeff, and, and you've already heard this, but um, I was talking about the boxing match with, with the wife last night, the heavyweight championship on the line. And uh, I, I just asked her, I was like, Hey, do you want to watch uh, the heavyweight boxing tonight? It's going to be on pay-per-view. And she's like, who's fighting? And I told her, and I, I was like, what was the last boxing match you actually watched? And she, she said, Oh, it was when, uh, Conor McGregor fought uh, Holy Vanderfield. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I just, I so badly wanted to just like let her go because she said it with such conviction. Like this is the truth. Like Conor McGregor fought Holy Vanderfield, <laughs> and <laughs> I wanted to just like let her go on believing that that was true. Um, but I just started laughing. It was just one of those moments. It was. I got to say it was very adorable. Um, <laughs> and um, I was oh, like, God. well, you mean a Vander Holyfield and, and he never fought Conor McGregor. <laughs> and she was like, oh, well, whatever the name of that guy is. And I said it was Floyd Mayweather. Um, but I thought that was such a great commentary on the way like the common person views boxing these days like nobody knows who the heavyweight championship of boxing is but they know who conor mcgregor is 
And I think that's a big statement for how far MMA has come and how much boxing has fallen off. Um, and I, I used to be a fan of boxing, Jeff, but, um, you, you know, I'll only tune in every now and then like the, the, the Fury Wilder, uh, rematch was enough, um, to get me in there, even though I was so pissed off at the decision in the first fight, you know, even if the decision went the right way, I would have been excited for this fight. So they, they didn't have to do that. Um, but yeah, in any case, that was that. So the cocktail, uh, bourbon, lemon juice, uh, ginger bitters, simple syrup, and a little bit of cayenne pepper. I'm calling it a Sunday smash, Jeff. Um, you couldn't call it a Vega busted or something to keep a on theme, Bill? Of a, a Vega busted? Yeah. The the <laughs> the Vega bust bourbon smash. There you go. Now you're more on theme. There we go. I can get boom, on board boom, with this. Boom. <laughs> I mixed oh, it in my room. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. In, in any case, good good cocktail. I'll post it on the social media for you guys. Uh, uh, got a, a good picture of it, and uh, I'll, I'll give you all the ingredients again in case you're trying to uh, frantically write them down while I was describing this. But you guys know how I make cocktails. I kind of eyeball everything, so I'm not going to give you exact measurements. You got to play around with it yourself, and you know, get yourself a bottle of bourbon and get yourself some some mixer ingredients and, and just kind of play around still until uh, stuff tastes good. That's how people invent shit. Um, in any case, I had some other things to, uh, that I kind of wanted to get into, but they were, um, they were like kind of negative. So I'm just going to bypass it. Cause we're already over the hour mark, which, uh, tends to be the time people tune out anyway. So, uh, we'll let it go. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll pick it up next week or maybe we won't have an episode next week because I'm going to be at like Animal Kingdom drinking my ass off or, or something. Because you know how I like to sneak those booze into Disney World, Jeff, um, just to cope with with my life. Uh, <laughs> in any case, uh, anything else you want to add for the people here? No, um, you know, I'm not crazy excited for next week's card. So, you know, if you want to skip next week's episode because you're running around with Mickey and Minnie Mouse, that's fine. But, Bill, uh, pretty soon we're going to be talking about a middleweight title fight that I am excited for. So we'll leave that for another time. Yeah. Uh, in, in the meantime, maybe we'll run a, a best of next week or something maybe i could put that together this week and we'll, we'll put that together we haven't done a, one of those ever but we, we should are we allowed have we been on the air long enough to that, that we are allowed to do that i mean we're allowed to do whatever we want jeff i produce the show and i <laughs> i'm i'm the executive producer the director the host the um creative artist yeah you know everything um the pr consultant yeah that too uh so i mean we have enough content we've been doing this for three and a half years and people are still listening and more and more every week um yeah so, yeah i think we should i just like 
I would like to hire somebody to go through and listen to 178 episodes of this and pick out the good parts. <laughs> so uh, if anybody out there wants to volunteer and do that for free and cut up a best of episode <laughs> for me, uh, please let me know uh, you're hired. I won't pay you anything, but uh, I will, I will appreciate it. And, and, you know, maybe I'll buy you a beer. In any case, if you guys want to get a hold of Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. You guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Send me an email, MMA on the Rocks, gmail.com. This is the website, MMA on the Rocks.com. Um, that's all we got. So reach out. Let us know what you guys are thinking and drinking out there. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>